Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Courtney Kirschbaum. She's the CEO and founder of Job Hunt School. It's the number one program for smart job seekers who really, they don't have a minute to waste. They're people who are looking for a better job. Maybe they're even, yes, looking for a happy, fulfilling career. It's doable. It's possible. She's going to teach you how. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I am sitting down with Cor- Courtney Kirschbaum. She's the voice for professionals. She's a thought leader. She's an expert. She's the founder of JobHuntSchool.com. And here's what's so magical about Courtney. She's going to teach you how to call your own shots in your own career. Too many people get a job and they just have to work harder and harder and harder to get to the circumstances they want out of life. But she's going to teach you how to get a job you love make money, be happy, and really, like we already said, and call your own shots. Courtney, thank you for being here today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. I I just, I'm so excited to have you on today. And and already, and for the listeners, her and I have never spoken before, but we were talking a few minutes before I started recording. And Courtney, I was just listening to you and man, I was already getting so energized because you were talking about how people will just you know, in terms of getting the job they love and the circumstances they want out of life, there really is sort of like this martyr mentality and this like, oh, you just got to work harder. You just got to hustle. And, and you kind of just in your few words, you kind of flip that on its head. I'd love to get more of a perspective from you on that. Oh, I'd be happy to give it. I guess here's where I come from. And if you've ever kind of, you know, go out there and you read what people who are giving career advice or job hunt advice, it's all to me kind of a beauty pageant. It's like give the perfect answer, be the perfect candidate. Uh, Chris Rock does a comedy kind of shtick on this about, you know, there's you and then there's you on a date, like when your representative (laughs) shows up. And that's what job hunting has become, right? It's like you have to audition. You have to, you know, be, you know, be all that in a bag of chips. And it's kind of ridiculous because when you're trying to please people, nothing works out. When you're not yourself, you're not going to get the result you want. Plus, I think what happens is you get positioned where, oh, okay, I have to, I have to be on an audition here. So that means I don't get to ask you, I don't get to ask you questions. I have to feel bad about negotiating. And that works great for maybe the employer sometimes. And there are many employers who would say, no, no, we really do want this. You know, we want you, we don't want your representative, but I think job hunting by and large and the advice around job hunting has turned into this audition, this beauty pageant. And that is what I try to turn on its head and say, Hey, you can call your own shots. There's another way to do this. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It it almost feels like, because I empathize with the per and I know you do too. I empathize with the person who, they, I mean, you feel the burden of a mortgage, the burden of your bills. And it's like, you know, Hey, heck I'll, <laughs> I'll do a little song and dance if it gets, if it gets me the job, but it, it almost feels like the hiring process is kind of just broken. I hear that a lot. 
I think, and it is for some people, it is for some companies. Um, I think you need to find the, find the places that aren't broken and you do that by not kind of buying into the broken system, not passing on your negotiation, not job hunting from a place of fear. Mm. Um, I had a, a client recently and we were I was checking in on him and said, oh, you know, how, how are things going? And he said, you know, I'm not a fan of the process. Mm. And I wrote about this in a, in a recent blog post. And this is what I wrote. I mean, I'm actually going to kind of quote it right to you. I, I thought, you know, it's not the process that you hate. That's, that's one way to say it. What people hate about it is feeling like I can't be myself mm. combined with this feeling that I have to submit to being judged by other people against invisible standards while getting absolutely no feedback. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it almost makes me think of a, a friend of mine who he, he's a graphic designer and he applied and got, he didn't get the job, but he said mm -hmm. what he so appreciated that feedback piece was the person said, Hey, I, you know, I'd love to go through your portfolio and help you see some things you could be working on that would make you more competitive. And he was like, wow, like I am just, it's almost like when you get broken up with and you walk away thinking like, Oh wow, that was really great. And you know, instead of realizing like, wait, I just got dumped. Like that's kind of how he felt was like, wow, this person went out of their way to really give me the feedback I need so I can be more competitive in terms of seeking the job I want. Absolutely. And it's hard to get, but there are ways that you can be more successful at getting that feedback. And I think the first thing you want to do is appreciate that when somebody gives you feedback, they're taking a risk. And, and that risk is real, right? We're, we live in a litigious society. Companies are very afraid, you know, they kind of live in fear and this right. preventive mode from, you know, from getting sued for you know, saying mm. the wrong thing. So, just a little, you know, if you're listening to this, you think, okay, how can I ask for that feedback in a way that they'll actually give it to me? First of all, acknowledge. Um, I'm, I'm going to, can you, I can, it's, I, you're okay. It's okay. Okay, good. Because I can hear this siren, the wailing in the background. We're okay. going to assume you're not being mugged right now. Okay, awesome. If I, you know, if I get into that mug, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mugged, well, you know. no. <laughs> okay. So the yeah, first thing you want to do, the first thing you want to do is um, kind of acknowledge that there's risk for them in doing it, which is why they don't do it. Yeah. And, mm. um, and, and so set them at ease. Say, look, I know that this isn't common and I know that, you know, this is a bit risky for you, but I genuinely would like to know if you notice anything that could, um, that could help me, you know, in the future for my, you know, for future interviews or that's it. So that is going to increase your chances of getting the feedback. And then if they give you feedback, this is the hardest part. Your job is to say, thank you. <laughs> That's it. Period. End of sentence. Say no more. Because what another reason people don't give feedback is they give it, they give it authentically, and then yep. they get ambushed with, right. oh, but, 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 let me explain. Yeah. So unless like someone is actually going, you know, that somebody's going to die, unless it's a life or death, <laughs> say thank you and walk away. Yeah. That alone will command a huge amount of respect. So mm. acknowledge the risk, ask for the feedback genuinely, ask for it in a way that they can actually give you something material. Like, you know, how do I do on a scale of one to 10? And like, what can I do to get closer to a 10? Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny being on the other side of it, like being on the hiring side of it. I've had those applicants who, I mean, they said something or did something that just like crushed their ability to get hired. 
And mm-hmm. I found myself thinking like, man, I wish you would ask me, you know, what, cause it, cause, and I, I think I, I've never really thought about it, but I think I can really relate to sort of like the fearfulness of, well, I don't really want to get into that as the hirer unless they're going to ask me for it. Um, you know, I think it's about taking responsibility a little bit too. One of my big things is take 100% responsibility. Like, there's always going to be something to complain about. There's always going to be some disadvantage. But there's always going to be something. But if you go at it from the approach of I can, I can control what I can control and I need to take 100% responsibility for that. And, and when, you, when you come at it from this is all on me, mm. And people are also a lot more likely to say, you know, let me help you out here because you're working so hard and you're taking 100% responsibility and they're just more inclined to want to help you out, to want to offer that up. But, you know, never be afraid to ask because sometimes people will give you that feedback and it can be the very thing you need to know. And even like beyond the feedback game, some of this, and maybe you can shine some light on here. Because a lot of this is confidence. A lot of this is being um, comfortable enough to ask these difficult questions. But like even things that are less like development related. And like, for example, a friend of mine is getting a job offer this morning. And she said, now, what do I, what do I say in terms of like the kind of salary I want? And you never really know the kind of company you're going to be working for in terms of their view on salary and negotiations. And, and I've, even, I've even talked to one person who literally went back and forth something like seven or eight times of um, what he had done was he had said, well, I'm not comfortable giving a number. Why don't you tell me like what you've budgeted for the position? And they were like, well, we're not sure what we've budgeted. You tell us what you want. And he's like, well, I'm not really comfortable. How about you tell me like what the last person made? Well, we don't want to share that salary information. So, and it was just like, it, it, at, that, at that point, you're kind of like, okay, this is really silly. But yeah. how, how does a person because you know you the, the hirer is the person with the power so to speak so how do you mm-hmm. you're talking about sort of calling your own shots and sort of owning a little bit of authority there how does the job seeker do that really well without being arrogant or coming off the wrong way i mean what does that what does that look like this is what it looks like this is my favorite little trick to just totally neutralize the situation this is what you say I wish I could tell you, but I've signed a non-disclosure agreement with respect to my personal finances, and I can't share that information. That's smart. <laughs> All you need to say. Now, here's the thing. You have got to own that 100%, and you said confidence, and the mistake most people make is like the night before they know they're going to get an offer is when they start thinking about it, and you need to think about it well in advance of that. Mm. Negotiation is 100% learnable. So it's worth making, you know, it's worth investing, literally, read a book, take a course. There's so much information out there. It's learnable. You don't have to be Joe Cool. You don't have to be Don Corleone to be a good negotiator. (laughs) If you learned how to read and write, then you can learn how to negotiate. Mm. So that is a great trick. You're better off um, kind of learning some, learning a bit more about negotiation. For example, a lot of people like, like your friend, it's like the salary. Well, the salary is only has value. If you consider like how much vacation time you're getting, because Mm -hmm. that has a dollar value. What kind of benefits package are you getting? Because, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm buying my health insurance on the market and believe me, it has a monetary value, right? And you want to have all this prepared before you get into that meeting. But if you find yourself in a situation, 
and we all do in the course of our careers, where you're sitting across from somebody who has, quote unquote, the power, then that's what you say. That's not information I can disclose. And then if they push on it and they say, well, it's a family thing. It had to do with will, something about, drop something about wills and trusts. And you don't <laughs> want to, you look, you don't want them to think like, oh, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. That's not yeah, the right. direction you want to go. Just say, you know, whatever. Like, you know, my dad is, you know, real stickler about money and whatever. The point is you shouldn't have to justify not disclosing personal financial information. Right. And they know that. And what they're asking you is they're trying to find out, well, is it Courtney's first rodeo? Is she going to roll over and tell me? Well, it sure is her first rodeo. There I go. Now now I have the advantage. So they know that and don't think for a minute that they don't. So just tell them, you know, I can't disclose. And you know, you you mentioned this earlier, man, it feels like there's a, there's a narrow band of companies who they, there is so much immediate trust in the sense of they're hiring well, their, their, their hiring practices are appropriate. And I don't mean just, um, I don't mean just legal. Like I just heard about a story about a guy who, um, this guy's boss just asked an applicant if they were planning on getting pregnant. And I was like, okay, that's illegal. He can't ask that, but not, so I'm not even just talking about being legal in your process, but like they really, um, man, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like they're just really good companies. They're human. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and it sounds like you, maybe you mentioned this earlier, like it's, it's also part, that should be part of the hiring process, or I guess the job seeking process is, you know, not only are you being evaluated, quote, but you should sort of be evaluating that human element. You know, are these people, is this really a company I want to hitch my wagon to? Because we can all think of, we can all think of the story of the person who went to go work somewhere that looked really great on paper and it ended up being toxic or, you know, what have you. That is such a good point. I mean, the whole thing about like, you got to interview them too, right? You have to say, do I want to be here? What signals am I getting? Because they're, you know, your representative may be there, but you have to understand their representative is there too. Like we're going to put our best foot forward. And so you kind of have to look for more subtle clues, you know, and you don't even need to be an expert at looking for subtle clues in this day and age, because you can go to Glassdoor, Mm, you can mm -hmm. go to, you know, you know, to, to sites that give reviews, definitely do that, but ask around. And one way to do that is simply go to LinkedIn, search for the company and see people who are former employees. Say, Hey, you know, I'm interviewing here and I see that you used to work there. I was wondering if you could share some insights Mm -hmm. and you would, you would not believe like what people will tell you. Now, some people will be careful. They won't want to say anything bad. I literally have had people call me or email me and say, and I'll say, call me because I'm not putting this in writing. But another thing about reviews is people tend to want to, um, if they've had a bad experience, they want to do a solid and they want to keep somebody else from having a bad experience. They might not post it, but they might share it with you. Same thing goes for a good experience. If they're like, yeah, this is a solid company. Maybe keep, you know, watch out for this or that, or this isn't great, but the ba- on the balance, you get this and that is great. People will, you know, will help somebody out. So, so, so ask, look into it and don't be afraid to kind of, interview them as well. And if you don't interview them, they kind of take that as a sign that um, it is your first rodeo and maybe um, you're not, you're not, you might leave money on the table and you might leave respect on the table, mm, right? Because mm-hmm. you stand up for yourself, people respect you. Well, and, and there's a bit of a, um, and again, I, I get the burden of like bills, but it sounds like part of what you're talking about 
it's, it's not just self-respect and not just like, um, you know, your self dignity, but also Mm -hmm. like being patient enough to, okay, you know what? I'm going to pass on this because it doesn't, it's not congruent with my values. Maybe there's a lot of red flags and, and it, it, sometimes it's hard to do that, right? I mean, it's hard to, uh, feel like you have choices, I guess, so to speak. It can be extremely hard. I, I will definitely own that. And really when people make these compromises, that's when you're, you're just in a situation where this is too low a salary or I did this job five years ago, but I got bills to pay. Yeah. My, if you're in that situation, there's a couple of things I'd say. First of all, don't beat yourself up. Like we all, like, boy, I've, I mean, you know how it is. You learn the hard way. I mean, some mistakes I make like two and three times just to be sure. Or like I've totally learned the lesson and, you know, everybody's like that. So a couple of things, don't beat yourself up because you're not going to make any progress coming from a place of, um, you know, punishing, punishing yourself. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge it. Like I could have played this better. And then when you acknowledge it, you kind of get into this 100% responsibility mode. It's like, yeah, I could have been more prepared. I could have played this better. could have had some savings. And then these are the three things that, that I advise. If you want to feel empowered in your career, if you want to feel like you're calling the shots, start putting away that, you know, they call it the FU fund. That fund that <laughs> enables you to walk away from being bullied, abused, harassed. It enables you to feel safe if the company goes under, you know, even if you leave for, you know, a not deeply toxic reason, put that away, start doing it now. That will give you an incredible feeling of empowerment. And the other two things that I recommend for everyone, just because of the power they give you, have a resignation letter written where Mm. you say, just the act of doing it, it really is about the act of doing it. Have that letter written. And the next thing, and this is really hard, especially if you're with a company for, for many years, one thing that keeps people in jobs is both their resume and their LinkedIn profile have you know an inch of dust on them. And you know, the first thing you have to do, in addition to worrying about money and not, you know, not having that resignation letter in place, the, the big worry is, oh God, I've got to update my resume. And I got to do something with my LinkedIn profile. Mm. Whereas if those things were right and tight all the time, people would be looking at your LinkedIn profile saying, you know, I think I'm going to go uh, try and um, poach Blake away from what he's doing now because he's obviously a sharp guy. Look, his stuff's current. Mm-hmm. But most people go and make that stuff current when they're already in a vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Or they so, put the, uh, what's the, seeking new opportunities yeah. You know, that, that it's kind of cliche on, almost. That should be on all the time. <laughs> it really should. It should be on all the time because recruiters are so hungry for good talent, especially mm. now. I was just talking to a friend of mine, C-level exec. He goes, God, there's so many jobs out there right now mm. that recruiters to get good talent are poaching. They're not waiting for you to be available. They're saying, you know, love at first sight. You're the one I want. And I don't care that you've been at... Um, Acme Incorporated for five years. You are clearly uh, on the ball. You're clearly sharp. You're not putting your career on hold while you're working on this job and being invisible on LinkedIn. You're here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk with you. I'm gonna see if maybe I can poach you away. No, is it is it okay if we talk a little bit about LinkedIn? Because I, yeah. I see you have an article on your uh, LinkedIn page. It's it's called. And for any listeners who maybe you've been waiting to really get on LinkedIn, if you go to Courtney's profile, and I'll put this in the in the uh, episode 
episode description. Uh, one of your most recent articles, Secrets to a Breakout LinkedIn Profile plus five free tools. Let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, really, first of all, how did you get on LinkedIn? You know, let's, start, let's just start there. This is such a great story. I'm glad you asked. So I guess like 2016, I was ready to bail on LinkedIn. Like <laughs> LinkedIn is this is garbage. There's nothing happening here. Nobody, nobody talks. There's, there's nothing going on. And gosh, in 2016, that's kind of true. Like really you went and you lurked, you went and you spied on people, you know, that you were maybe going to be working with. I mean, it was, it was like a lurker's paradise. (laughs) And I told somebody I was, I was working with at the time. She was a marketing specialist, really sharp woman. And she said, Courtney, you know, hold off on that. Give it, give it a little more time. I mean, I was posting, I was posting videos and I get like two or three likes Mm. and I said, okay, okay. You know, this is where job seekers and professionals are. I can't bail on this. I can't bail on this platform. And I've been there since, gosh, I don't know. Like I've been there for a while, for many years. As soon as it started to that, everybody's getting a profile. I went and copied somebody's profile and made sure that I was doing what I thought was the right thing. And so I kept posting kept, you know, doing videos and whatnot. And then I connected with an influencer. And by influencer, I just mean somebody with a gazillion followers. And all of a sudden, I kind of began to get a sense of how I should be engaging. And I realized that I was lurking too. Mm. Like I was putting stuff out there and wanting people to like, you know, love my stuff and comment, but I wasn't engaging. So they didn't trust me. They didn't really, they didn't really kind of know much about me and I was being unresponsive. So if you want to get some activity going on LinkedIn, I'll I'll kind of break down a couple of myths. And the first one is people say, oh, well, I don't want a bunch of followers or a bunch of connections that I don't know. And they kind of treat LinkedIn like a Rolodex, like this, these are, this is my precious group of, you know, this very golden network. And That works against you on LinkedIn because the more people you're connected to, the more your profiles get seen. Well, the more more likely you are to succeed on LinkedIn. It it, it works against you in real life too. It's kind of strange. I mean, the way I've seen LinkedIn, it's it's literally just networking, but you know, online, right? And so, Mm -hmm. I think anyone who has that mentality, you would never go for your in-person business, you would never say, oh, I'm not going to talk to that person because we didn't grow up together. Right. And so I, for me, I even have a hard time understanding where that kind of line, where it comes from, I guess. But I guess online, maybe it's a little bit different for some people. I think people feel, whereas you might not feel vulnerable on Instagram or on Facebook, although some people do on LinkedIn, like your boss is on LinkedIn and your boss could conceivably like, you know, go to your site. So it's very like your game face. LinkedIn is your game face. So I I think you don't want to take any risks where you might take risks on Instagram to see, oh, is this the kind of picture that's going to get likes or, you know, get get attention or comments. You might do that on LinkedIn. If you do it on, um, or you might do it on Facebook, but if you do it on LinkedIn, like the downside you feel like is so far down. Mm. So if you're out there thinking, I really would like to have recruiters coming to my profile and saying, well, Blake looks like a really sharp guy. I'm going to reach out to him. Here, here's some of what you want to do. You want your profile to actually look like you get, <laughs> you care about it. <laughs> because if it looks like what everybody else is doing and, and it's yeah. clear that you just kind of done, like, you know, I'm just going to get it up there and let it collect dust. then that unfortunately says a lot about you. It's, you know, kind of says some people believe how you do anything is how you do everything. So mm. 
you, know, you want to sharpen it up. But after you do that, if you want people to come there, if you want to be that person who's recruited, you want to to engage, you know, like you don't have to necessarily post. And this is what that article says. If you just comment and like and share, you will get so much more energy on LinkedIn. And that's how you get found in searches by recruiters and employment managers. And again, it doesn't take a whole lot of learning to really get into LinkedIn. And now just to give you an example, to kind of finish out the story. So I stayed, I started connecting with influencers and seeing what they were doing that was right. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I kind of understood the rhythm and you know the algorithm of LinkedIn, started posting, started liking and engaging with other people. They started liking and engaging with my posts more and that started driving things up. I started that year in September, I had, I had 1,800 kind of connections slash followers that I felt like I went to 1,800 doors and knocked on them. I mean, it took me so long to get those followers. And now I have, I'll probably tip over 34,000 today. Yeah. Yeah. And you're it, right on the cusp. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, it's not magic. I literally just got better in terms of posting for my followers, for people who are following me and who kind of like my approach to career management and job seeking. And I think, will they appreciate this? And that's Mm -hmm. the kind of stuff I post. But the big thing for people who don't want to spend a bunch of time managing content or writing articles is just unfollow um, the stuff that doesn't interest you. People complain about there's a bunch of junk on LinkedIn feeds now. That's cool. Unfollow it. It's just like, you know, just like Facebook, they're not going to see that you're like, I'm not interested in seeing your stuff. And then like, comment and share on the stuff you do like, and LinkedIn will give you more of it, and you will get more visibility from the people that you want to get visibility from. And I'll say one more thing on LinkedIn. Follow hashtags. Go to, if you want to just kind of see how that works, I have a couple out there that I use. LinkedIn Boost. Any LinkedIn tip I post will go under LinkedIn Boost. But if you are, you know, a talent developer or a project manager or an artist, then follow some hashtags that are relevant to your field. So the stuff that's coming up on your feed is what interests you Um, and follow people that interest you. Like if you're a Gary V fan, then, you know, follow him. And maybe if he's got some hashtags going, Um, that really is a way to open some doors wide on LinkedIn. And most people are like, yeah, hashtags. um, That's just something I posted the bottom of, I put on the bottom of my post to be funny or whimsical, but they actually have a real purpose. And if you follow those and get kind of get, get going on some of those, you'll see some good stuff. Now, are you on other social media platforms or is LinkedIn like your gig? LinkedIn is, is my gig. I'd have to say I'm certainly um, there more than anywhere else. I am also on Instagram just because I love Instagram. It's just, you know, it's visual. It's fun. So if I, if I do a blog post, I'll almost always put something up on Instagram and I travel a ton. I am um, a digital nomad of the highest order. Like I'm a gypsy. I'm happiest when I'm on, on a trip somewhere that I've never been. So I, I'll post a lot of, um, you know, my travel pics or I'll be like, if I'm on the train or whatever, you'll see a lot of my posts on, um, on Instagram. Now, are you a, are you a foodie? Um, I like to eat, but I don't know if I'm discriminating enough to actually be a foodie. Um, gosh, and there's so much good food here in New Haven. I got to say something good about New Haven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so many good restaurants here. 
I feel I do feel bad that I I ousted you at the start of the podcast. Okay. I, I still New feel Haven, guilty about it. New Haven will forgive later. me. New Haven yeah, is yeah. cool. New Haven will get it. Yeah. So I I'm on the borderline. Like I'm on the border. Like, now are, are are you on TikTok? I'm not, and I will tell you. Because people are getting really big. You know, I'm, they're like building. I, I'm not sold on it yet, to, but. Well, you know what? I literally, and I'm I'm going to really maybe embarrass myself by confessing this. I know kind of what it is, but I don't know what it is. I think it's like Vine, but musical. Okay. You know, it's it's like a short video, but musical is what I understand. I, I'm not on it either. I'm sure somebody listening to this right now is like hand over face, like, oh my gosh, these people. These people, yeah. But, you're- you know... <laughs> I know Gary Vee's really huge on it right now, and uh, right, I'm assuming I'm gonna, he's probably an investor in some way. But I'm going to check uh, it out. Uh, I'm after our interview today. I'm going to go and I'm going <laughs> to make an executive decision. Yeah, Courtney Kirschbaum need to be on TikTok. Well, well, whenever you're like a mega, mega, mega millionaire, yeah, and it came is. it came from TikTok, just remember <laughs> me asking the you, question. You will be at the top of my list. <laughs> I am here today because Blake set me up on TikTok. Now, now we are running a little bit out of time. I do want to back up just a little bit. You've already given some really great insights. I, I want to ask a little bit about how you started Job Hunt School and like the why behind, because you've been in business for four or five years now. I, I'd love to know a little bit about how you got to starting it and what building that has looked like for you. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a story. Okay. <laughs> I, let me give you kind of the quick and dirty encapsulated version of um, Courtney leaving corporate America. And, and we, have, we have about 10 minutes. I, I don't want you to feel like okay. this is like a 30 second, you know. All right. No worries. So, uh, so I, you know, my, my career is, um, I mean, I'll give you like the, the Loretta Lynn version. Like I grew up in a two stoplight town. And I, my big thing was I wanted to travel. So like so many people when you're young, it's like, I'm not really sure what I want to do. I just know that I want to travel. I want to see the world. So got out of, you know, graduated college and I thought this is it, right? I just need to have a degree and like all the doors will fly open. <laughs> not quite. Um, yeah. Not quite. So I was working in the city where I graduated and I, I looked around the cubicle farm one day. Literally, I'm standing at the copier. copier I look out over the cubicle farm. I've been doing this job a few years. And I'm like, unless I change what I'm doing, I'll be in the same cubicle farm 20 years from now. Like what they told me about working hard, there's something more to it. There's something more to success than this. Mm. And as fate would have it, a friend, I guess I was kind of talking about, you know, I'm not, things aren't happening. I'm not overseas. My big thing was I wanted to live overseas. Once a week, the International Employment Weekly came out. I would go to Barnes and Noble before they all shut down and I would get it. And I had like $15 of discretionary income because I was paying off my student loans and I would get it and I would look through all these ads overseas. And I'm, and I was like, I'm not qualified for any of this. Like, how do you get, I just pictured myself living overseas. I just wanted to be not in America. And I love America. I just wanted to go out and see the world, right? Like you do when you're young. So he said, you need to listen to this tape, um, this, this audio thing I've got. He goes, it's by Jack Canfield. It's called Self-Esteem and Peak Performance. He goes, you can get it at the library. It's like, I got a library card. So I did. And literally that just dialed in what you need to do to be successful. And for me, it was confidence. I mean, I'll say straight up, like it was Mm. confidence. I just didn't have the confidence to like 
get into action and, and go for the things I wanted. So I, I, um, I went back to school. I got a degree in information systems and I applied for an international for, I applied at an international company cause I thought, well, they have offices everywhere and that'll, you know, that's how it works. Right. And that's exactly what happened. So I did that. And that was my background. I, I traveled all over the world. But what that taught me was you can figure it out and you can do things that you think you can't do mm. that, that people tell you, you can't do. I'm a girl from a two stoplight town. They put me up in a you know beautiful house in Amsterdam and I traveled all over the world managing projects for this company. And I did that for years and I worked for other big companies, you know, similar to that one. So the first kind of thing is you can do so much more than you think you can. It's just that they're maybe not going to teach you that in your high school or your college, but the public library is full of books on how you can figure this out. So I did that. And then I kind of, I literally sat in Amsterdam on a bench looking at a canal thinking, I thought this would take me 10 years. It took me two. Mm. Now what am I going to do? Like, mm. what am I going to fill up this, you know, this space with? So that career came kind of came to a natural end. I was like, okay, I've done it. I've seen the world. I want to do something else. Like, so that was, I guess, around 2012. So that's when I decided I wish someone had told me these things. I wish I had known what I know now back then. My life would have, things would have gone differently. I wouldn't have spun my wheels as much. I wouldn't have wasted as much time. And that's when I got the, I guess the first idea it wasn't Job Hunt School. It was a program um, called Original Experience. And I still do that program. But Job Hunt School really was when I brought it into the career realm because that was the world I knew. Like I had worked in these companies. I had made the mistakes or seen people make the mistakes with their with managing their careers and in their job hunt. And I knew it was really simple. It's not a degree from Harvard. It's not one of these big things that, well, that ship has sailed. It's, not, it's things you can do every single day. Mm. So that's how I kind of fell into doing job hunt school. And then when I had such success, you know, when LinkedIn took off and I was on LinkedIn when it took off, LinkedIn became kind of a more prominent component as well. And I also do some, you know, I have a LinkedIn mini course, but that's, that's kind of what made me think, what made me decide to, to go the job hunt school route. I'd, I'd been in that world and I knew people weren't getting the information they needed. And often if they were, it was, here's how to be the perfect candidate. It's like, no, don't be the perfect candidate. Be you and find a good fit because you don't want to be in a bad marriage with an employer. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Because you're unhappy at work, you're unhappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I think that's what um, it, it's it's the only crossover I have with you is sometimes I talk to people who kind of are aspiring business owners, like they mm -hmm. kind of dream of kicking the nine to five. Sure. And uh, I don't I don't really work with those people. I don't counsel those people, but I sometimes the advice I give is is, and it's out of empathy, it's really just to do it. Exactly what you're talking about of, you know, you looked over this cubicle farm, which is such a sad um, image in my mind. But, you know, I, so I, I'll, I'll encourage people to like, actually go out and do something like that. But I've noticed that the majority of people won't. And I don't mean it in a cynical way or a pessimistic way. But I, I am curious, there was something in you that you know, you had sort of this Jerry Maguire moment, right? Where you were like, okay, I'm doing this. And people, I've seen other people have like that light bulb of, man, this doesn't, this doesn't do it for me, but, but then they don't, they don't act on it. Right. And they, they, stay, right. 
place for another 10 years and it, or worst case scenario, you know, they get to midlife and they're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Like I, and, and then it's like really dramatic. Like wh- what was it that actually forced you to, okay, I'm not just going to dream about it. I'm like, I'm actually going to go do this. That's a really great question and a timely one. Um, in part, it was that I accepted the fact that I had to retool. And I'm going to be really honest here. A lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to start my dream and, or I'm going to quit and start this. And, and, and I thought this, oh, in a couple of years, you know, I'll be making millions, right? Because it's just a numbers game. I was, I was really ignorant of how the process worked, but I was so committed to it that when things didn't unfold the way I thought they were going to, I didn't quit. And if you look at anyone, you know, any really successful business person, one of the themes I started seeing over and over again was don't quit. You just can't give up. Don't quit. Mm. And I thought, oh yeah, easy for you to say, Steve Jobs, you're a gazillionaire. <laughs> yeah, don't quit. Sure, pal. But yeah. the fact is, Steve Jobs got fired from a company he founded. Right. It took him it took him, I think, over a decade before he had great success. And that's right. the whole don't quit thing. If he'd quit, Apple would never be. Same thing with Bill Gates. Like he wasn't a giant success out, you know, right at the beginning. These guys worked for a really long time. And then it came. Mm. So I have heard that 10 years is the mark. But what I did at the beginning was I retooled with education. And I bet I spent, oh, wow. $20,000 going to tr- training with the top people in the world. Um, I trained with Jack Canfield. I did the Bill Gove speaker workshop because I was doing a lot of speaking. I did a lot of, um, a lot of speaking engagements and seminars and conferences. So I think what people do is they quit and then they're like, oh, I can't spend any money to retool. or I can't spend any money to learn because I've got to be, and I spent a lot of money up front when I still had my corporate salary to retool and understand where I was going. And that gave me a community of people that were also trying to leave one thing and go to another. And for the first couple of years, having that support was so powerful. Mm. I invest a lot of time and money in learning new things. Mm. And I advocate that if you're not spending three to 5% of your annual salary on education, then you're never going to get out of the pack. You're always going to be at the mercy of a company that's going to train you well enough to do work for them and to make you make money for them, but never to, for you to be free. Mm. And when you realize it's not the time you put in, that's not where your value is. It's what you know. If they can come to you and ask you questions and get answers and get insight and you know things, then your value increases in the market. So invest in learning, you know, whether it's copywriting or digital marketing or whatever you're interested in. And you will find that you're interested in things you had no idea. And you'd have like, for me, that was copywriting. I got passionate about copywriting, which, you know, helped my business so much. So the learning part and accepting the fact that you're going to have to spend some money, do it while you have the money. I always tell people, get job on school when you're still employed. That way you are so much more empowered. And you're like, yeah, you're going to fire me, lay me off? No problem, because I own this process. So do all those things when you have the money would be my advice. If you're thinking about leaving the professional world and doing your own thing, make a little investment up front, and that'll definitely take some of that stress away. 
Well, we're on the same page because I always get a kick out of people who um, sometimes I get random questions on like, hey, I want to start this business with zero dollars. How do I do it? And I'm like, uh, sounds like you need to go back to work. And then <laughs> eventually maybe you can start it. Um, so I think that's a great insight. And also just as I'm listening to you and you said this earlier, you know, you made the remark of 100% responsibility. And I just, I love how you keep flipping it back to, you know, your personal obligation to what, what you can do. How are you furthering yourself rather than really just, you know, cause it takes a different mindset than just waiting for these opportunities to come. And then, you know, being a victim, I guess. Yeah. And it's tough because job hunting especially is, is really brutal and it, it takes a mindset shift to be like, no, you know, I don't have to interpret that as a negative. I just need to get, I just need to get it, get through these no's to get to my yes. That's right. And that takes, yeah, that takes some, I'm sure as an entrepreneur, like, you know that, right? Like oh, yeah. you've got your own thing <laughs> and I'm sure everybody you ask to be on your show doesn't say, you know, yes, or everybody you have to, you just have to get that, I guess, get a little bit thick, get, get that thick skin, right? It's, it's be, thick skin and it's, you know, obviously the best guests say yes. Cause you know, you're on, you're on the podcast, absolutely. But, um, you know, and I think what I've learned for me is the no can't change my perspective on what, and I think this is for anybody in their business. The no can't now create now an identity for how valuable you are, right? Cause people are going to tell you no, but it can't, it can't reform now your thinking because, cause here's how I see it you know, if you're going to move forward in business, I mean, you have to believe in what you're doing. And I don't mean that in a, in a cliche way. It's like, but even using the example you said, like bringing on guests, like I have to believe this is valuable. Otherwise the first no is going to cripple me. And now I'm not going to ask anybody. Right. And so, um, I think your advice there is spot on. It, what is the old saying? And I wish I could remember who said this, but it's not what they call you. It's what you answer to. I haven't heard that actually. Yeah, it's, so it's just because somebody doesn't think that, you know, you're whatever, a director or a senior manager or an entrepreneur. It's like, it's it's really not what they call you. It's what you answer to. Yeah, I have to, I have to look up um, who who is who that should be attributed to, but it's a good one to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, we'll just, we'll just connect it to, to Courtney Kirschbaum. So. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go with that for now. Yeah, yeah. It can shamelessly be yours until we figure out who it came from. Now, tell the audience, what, what can people do right now to connect with you, to follow you, to especially, you know, we already mentioned jobhuntschool.com. And I encourage anybody, if there's, if there's just a smidge of doubt that you are in the job that is your dream job, the job what you're calling your shots, you absolutely need to go to that website right now and check it out. Courtney, what else can people do? Follow me on LinkedIn. I, if you're on LinkedIn and LinkedIn is a, something you want to learn more about, that's a great way to connect. I have a free class on jobhuntschool.com. It is when you when you sign up for it, it's you'd be like, "This is free! I can't believe it." it emails come to you every few days. You can get into that if you're if you want to get some of that training I talked about. I also offer um, free like, premium resources on my profile on LinkedIn and also at CourtneyKirschbaum.com. And if it's for you, like you know, download one, uh, check out the material, check it. You'll that'll put you on my. Um, I send out emails weekly. 
And if, uh, if I'm for you, if, if, if this kind of style of approaching and managing your career and calling the shots in your own career is for you, then, um, then hang out with me and uh, you know, get more information and be a part of, of what I'm trying to do, which is help people be more independent and autonomous in their careers. So the harder you work, the closer you get to the, like, that life you want and not kind of more embedded in, in this kind of wage slavery that a lot of people <laughs> don't want and are just tired of. So right. any of those places, I would love to connect with you. Say hi to me. Say, hey, I heard you on the podcast. I would love that. Um, yeah, and if, uh, if it's for you, then let's, um, let's have some fun and get you a career that you love. Courtney, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Blake. For the listeners, that's CourtneyKirschbaum.com. Her last name, K-I-R-S-C-H-B-A-U-M. I'll put that in the episode description. Also, JobHuntSchool.com. Make sure you follow her on LinkedIn. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, if you're a first-time listener, you got to click that subscribe button because we're going to be bringing you some great guests uh, coming up next month. And also, if you really love the episode, consider leaving it a five-star review and just stay connected with us. We're on LinkedIn. We're on social media. You can check us out there. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. See ya.